Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between, because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Hello, Making the Brand groupies. I am so excited to have you here for the season finale of the podcast, talking about the one, the only, Beyonce. There is so much to unpack as far as what we can learn from Queen Bee, but what I think is most notable is how she's built a loyal tribe of fans. Everyone knows not to mess with the Beehive. I'm so excited to have a member of the Beehive with me today, another one of my amazing Twitter friends, Kimberly Gordon. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. So happy to have you here. Would you mind introducing yourself and just telling us about your love of Beyonce and how you really first became a fan of hers? Sure. My name is Kimberly Gordon, and I'm a brand strategist and marketing consultant. I help brands get attention from their most important audiences, whether that's customers, the media, influencers, or investors. Um, And I've been doing it for almost 13 years now. Um, I am a dedicated member of the Beehive. I feel like I've been preparing for this podcast my entire life. (laughs) Um, I, I first came in contact with Beyonce you know when you're like early high school and you first start going to concerts by yourself? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I went to a Destiny's Child concert. This is very late 1990s. I was wearing like my Steve Madden platform shoes. Of course. Yeah, I, prob- <laughs> I probably like tried to flat iron my hair, but like only did the bottom part, so the top was frizzy. <laughs> Been there. And it was when my I was like with a group of friends. We probably looked like Bratz dolls. and I saw Destiny's Child on stage and I saw Beyonce and I felt like it like clicked into focus I remember it so intensely Mm -hmm. and I remember just being like this is this is my queen this is my woman (laughs) and I've been following her career ever since I'm talking like videos images social media performances her twitter like she doesn't really tweet but like her instagram movies she's been in like everything i'm i am all in on beyonce i worship at the altar that is beyonce wow a super fan i feel like finding a beyonce fan who really i don't think i know anyone who's been to a destiny's child show or that has told me that that must have been incredible oh yeah wow and what then, city did you see them in? It was where I grew up in Michigan. It was mm-hmm. at an outdoor venue. It was a joint concert with Christina Aguilera and Destiny Child. Oh, wow. That must have been really early days then. Yeah. Yeah. I think No, 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 No was like the it, – it was just coming up into number <laughs> one. And I was like feeling – there's such a through line of female empowerment in all of her music. Yeah. There was something about Destiny's Child – and it was like these three women and they were best friends and they were supporting each other. And like, of course I was like 14 being like, yeah, bills, bills, bills. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm this like dorky Jewish suburban teenager. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm paying for my own bills. I don't yeah. have to support I'm an me. independent woman. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was like, I'll use my bot mitzvah money. I'm not having yeah. a fan support me. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, don't but yeah, that's, 
that's when I first came in contact with her. I love it. It reminds me of the first time I saw Britney Spears. I want to say it was my first concert. I saw, it was actually an in-sync concert at the Broward County Fair in 1998. It was just Ooh. a small little outdoor venue and Britney opened for them. And I was like a pipsqueak. I was like eight years old, whatever. And I couldn't see. All I could see was her name on this yeah. huge banner. And I remember saying to my cousin, like, who's Britney Spears? And then she became my queen among many queens like Beyonce. Um, but, gosh, are you one of those people on the beehive who just show up if anyone, you know, has anything critical to say about her? So I'm not, like, the latest controversies with Lana Del Rey, who's saying mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, no, I'm – I'm not like putting lemons on people who people's page who I think are Becky. I'm I'm more of a passive observer, but I okay. think I'm an intense passive observer. Yeah, you keep the peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I'm like that too with Britney, at least online, because I don't really. I mean, who wants to start a Twitter fight? But if I'm like at a dinner party or something, and someone says something bad about Britney, I'm more likely to keep the conversation going in person. But on Twitter, it's like you can never win on Twitter. So you're, you're not going to like pop off on someone if they start right, talking. No, and leave a paper trail. <laughs> like, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. But um, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say it's unbelievable how she's built such fan loyalty. I mean, even from the Destiny's Child child days, how do you think brands can do the same? What lessons can they take from Beyonce as far as building their own tribe, if you will, like the Beehive? I think that Beyonce always uses an opportunity to make it bigger than just the music. It's not just about the song. It's about the implication of the song or the cultural mm -hmm. significance of the song. And there's been so many opportunities where she uses the publicity or whatever it is to make a point like her Vogue cover in 2018. She used, it was the first African-American photographer to photograph mm -hmm. her and she yeah. to take her picture. And that was like a huge deal. Um, with her band for homecoming with the Coachella performance, she was the first African-American woman to headline the performance. And she made a joke in her documentary. Like she could have so easily, like she said, I could have easily put on my flower crown and gone mm -hmm. out there. But instead she made the performance all about historically black university. She had an all African-American band. Um, so she really uses the opportunity to talk about, what's going on in the world and make it more than just what it is. And I think brands can take note from that when they think about like, what is the higher purpose of what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. What role am I playing in my customer's life? It's not just about what you're selling. It's the problem that you're solving for them. And I think Beyonce does that so graciously and flawlessly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so powerful because that's what we look for when we're choosing brands. We want to see brands that stand for something. And it's always great to see artists that use their platform for something bigger. I love that you mentioned the Vogue cover because I visited a friend of mine in Houston where Beyonce is from, as you know. Yes. And, uh, the first thing we did was we drove by her house. So I, I kind of stalked her house a little bit, which was fun. Like um, her, her child at home, I assume. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Not her. Like she probably has a mansion there somewhere. I, I yeah. 
interesting. But uh, yeah, her childhood home, I just wanted to go and breathe in the Beyonce air to start the day. I'm sure. Did you like breathe it in and you magically like had a leotard on and like (laughs) (laughs) glitter everywhere? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. But um, after that, I I forgot what exhibit it was. I want to say it was, um, I forgot what the museum was, but it was like a style exhibit and like fashion through the years. And um, they had her Vogue cover on display and it said, yeah, that she, uh, it was the first African-American photographer who she handpicked. Yeah. 23 year old photographer. I mean, she is all about propelling of movement and diversity. And we've seen it with, with Rihanna do it uh, with Fenty, but we also see brands do it. Um, at least at the time of this recording, I saw yesterday Crayola launched a new box of crayons called Colors of the World. I don't know if you awesome. saw that. Yeah, it's called Colors of the World, and it's a, a whole box set of crayons that are different skin tones. And it's like, that's, that's the type of stuff that you want to see, that brands that stand for something. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like not only does Beyonce do it in her interviews and everything, but like you said, she brings the tribe in on it with her, especially with her lyrics. Um, it's like she creates these anthems, if you will, for all of us to sing along with her and to feel like we're part of this movement. Can you talk about you know, how she uses her music specifically to, to keep her, her mission going and her agendas and um, maybe specifically with the Lemonade album? Yeah, she, you know, she has this through line of female empowerment in her music and she has since the beginning i mean their songs like independent woman single ladies diva girls we run the world bills 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 ring the alarm survivor it's all about women stepping into their power and owning who they are Mm -hmm. and she does things in her performances that calls out to who her customer is and allows you to self-identify and really rally around it Mm-hmm. Um, can, can I swear on this podcast? Go for it. <laughs> okay. So um, Ronda Rousey, who's a UFC fighter, had a really famous speech where she talked about a do-nothing bitch. Sorry to anyone listening. I hope you're not offended by that. But it's this speech about you don't want to be a do-nothing bitch, which is a woman who relies on her looks in order to advance in the world and is just looking for a man to take care of her. And she uses that speech in, she's used that speech in her performance. Um, So she does these things that like are these little single, little signals to people to say who, like who you are. And if you're following me, this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, At her global citizen performance, I believe it was in 2017, before she started singing Survivor, she said she gets the crowd ramped up by doing things like, do we have any survivors in the house? Have you ever survived a bad relationship, survived an illness, a hater? This song's for you. So she calls out to you in a way that is so motivating and incredible mm-hmm. and always like always gets me so excited because I'm like, yeah, I have. And yeah, I do listen to this music and it inspires me to be a better person. Like I think she wants, she wants women and men and anybody really to listen to her music and just be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Yeah. And to feel something. I think like you said, the way she introduces her songs, even it makes me think about how brands do their copywriting. Like 
so much better to to go that route and to get people to feel and reflect on their own experiences and to get them to identify with you that way versus just like introducing your product and and not really painting that picture and and reeling in your audience with that story that they can identify with absolutely and and from an old i mean to take it everything always goes back to marketing but for an old marketing saying she always makes it about you and not about her she mm -hmm. if you'll notice in that thing she's never said she didn't go in and say like i'm a survivor i survived a bad relationship i survived an illness i've survived haters it's have you done this and i think that that like i remember hearing that and being like wow she could she's a marketer she knows right. what she's doing Oh yeah. She is a whole marketing empire <laughs> in herself. And that's such a good point because now that I think about Survivor, like I don't know if I know her original inspirations for that song and like if it really, you know, was relevant to her personally. Like you said, it was more like an anthem for everyone else. And yeah. that's really how all I of this I think that it was actually written about um initially Destiny's Child went through like a couple different people. Her and Kelly Rowland were always in it together, but yeah. I think it was about, and there was so much bad press about it. I believe that that song was written about that, but we, we can fact check it. Mm, that's probably right. When you saw Destiny's Child, was it the, was it Michelle, Kelly and Beyonce or was it prior to that? No, it was with the four of them. Wow. Michelle wasn't even there yet. Yeah. Wow. What a moment though, when she brought them back for her Super Bowl performance. Can we talk about that and just, well, she, of course I can talk about that. She brought them back for the Super Bowl. She's had them come out in Coachella. And I think this is where for branding, like the rubber meets the road because mm -hmm. listen, she's Beyonce. She could have easily kind of been like done with those two. I'm famous <laughs> now. Yeah. She's still so there for them. And you can tell that they're all friends and they're excited to reunite when they do. And so this is like being authentic to your brand. Mm -hmm. Like if she was constantly making songs about female empowerment and women supporting other women, she could probably get away with it and not do things like this and it would be fine. Yeah. But she takes every opportunity to support other women and lift other women up and it makes her songs that much more impactful and meaningful. Yeah. I think like she, if you go on her website right now, she, you know, she has happy birthday messages to people like Lena Waithe and Janet Jackson and Grace Jones and Naomi Campbell. And she's always paying homage to the women that have come before her. Yeah. It's like she talks the walk and or talks the talk and walks the walk also. Yeah. And it, it reminds me also, you just made me think of the Taylor Swift moment at the VMAs with Kanye West and how... Yes. You know, after Taylor was ambushed when Beyonce won another award, she made it a point to give Taylor Swift her moment. And that was a, a, a moment where she could have selfishly done another one of her own acceptance speeches. But that was just so powerful to see her uplift another young artist at the time who was just out there trying yeah. to make rising. And, that, and like that's her brand promise. Mm -hmm. And that's her delivering on that brand mm -hmm. promise. I yeah. think of brands like... Um, you know, sweet green. Do you do you go to sweet green ever? No, what is, I don't even know what that is. It's, just, it's okay. a chain. It's like a bougie salad chain of restaurants okay. in a lot of major cities. But their whole brand is about sustainability and being ethical, and they pay their employees fair wages and all of these things. Love it. And 
during the global stimulus for small businesses, they received a loan from the PPE package. Mm -hmm. And when the CEO found out that a lot of the loan money was going to bigger businesses rather than truly small businesses, they returned the money. Mm -hmm. And they released a statement about it saying, you know, this is what we, our mission is sustainability and being ethical. And we don't feel like this loan is ethical because this is for truly small businesses Mm -hmm. and they returned the money. And to me, that was, I guess that was like the Beyonce bringing Taylor Swift out there, Beyonce having, paying homage to Destiny's Child. It's so interesting when you see brands take a moment like that Mm -hmm. and really fulfill in their brand promise, not just in the moments of writing website copy, but in moments where it's super visible and and it's more, it's more unscripted or not. It's like, listen, when you're laying out a six month marketing plan, I'm sure the CMO wasn't like, what are we going to do in coronavirus when we get a loan? And it's not, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think that stems from having, having a corporate culture that really embodies the brand. Yeah. I mean, in those moments, that's when you really see your brand's true colors that you're, celebrities, true colors, all these celebrities that are coming together and helping out whoever they can, including Beyonce. I forgot which special it was. They've done so many now. It might've been, uh, might've been iHeartRadio actually, where she came on and just gave this amazing speech. I think she even sang, she sang something, um, one of her songs just to unite people. And she even uh, sang at Kobe Bryant's tribute. Like she's just she, everything she does, she does it with class and she does just care about other people and she uses her platform for such good and um, positive conversations. Yeah, she has um, her Be Good or Bay Good Foundation and they recently did a bunch of COVID testing in Houston. Drive up, they organized testing and giving away protective gear and a bunch of different things. So mm-hmm. she's she's always... I mean, she was voted one of the most charitable celebrities by, by some organization. So she's, oh, she, and, and I guess that brings me back to my earlier point is that she's always doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's, she's always trying to lift people up. I mean, especially at a time where we've seen how she acts when she needs to handle controversies too, because her career is not free of controversy, um, at least when it comes to her personal life and her marriage. Can you talk yep. about how she's, well, first of all, give people a recap of some of the things that, you know, have some of her bumps in the road, if you will, and how she's handled them and also what brands can learn from how she's handled crises and, and controversy. Sure. So, I mean, I've personally just forgiven Jay-Z for everything. <laughs> it took me a long time to get over it. Mm-hmm. Me and my therapist, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time. So now I'm ready to talk about it. But I was very mad at Hova for, for quite some time. Um, there's a well-known saying from Winston Churchill, I believe it is, which is that you should never waste a good crisis. And I think Beyonce certainly took this to heart. The biggest scandal of her career, which everyone knows about, it was in 2014. Security camera footage came out of her sister assaulting her husband as Beyonce stood silent in the corner. Um, as a pop culture fanatic like myself, this was like a real moment in time. Um, intense media scrutiny basically revealed that Jay-Z had been unfaithful to Beyonce and that prompted Solange to beat the shit out of him. And as a little sister myself, I'm definitely the Solange. <laughs> and I've never done that. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I would do something similar. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely mouthed it off to some of my sister's boyfriends in, mm-hmm. in younger years. And yeah. let, let's just say I'm a Solange, is, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but the video really broke the internet. And it was such a human look at what happens behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And people literally lost their minds over it. It, it was you an elevator, right? What? It was in an elevator, right? It, it was like- an elevator after the Met Ball. Ah, so. Yeah. I think a lot of brands in a similar situation, they probably completely ignore it or use corporate jargon or just try to try to go around try to go around it or come up with an excuse, but but not our queen. <laughs> she literally put out an entire album about the scandal and it was expressing how she felt about it through music and lyrics and visuals. Mm-hmm. And the album was deeply personal and autobiographical. And I always loved her, but when Lemonade came out, it went to a different level. Mm -hmm. She really let us in, and it was so angry and raw and accessible. And it was so much more – it was such a better statement that any – like, it was so much better than a PR statement. It was so much better than an Instagram post. It was so much better than anything like that, and it – just you just truly saw her pain. Do I sound so dramatic right now talking about this? <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm like clinging to your every word over here. <laughs> yeah. And I also had um not to brag, but my son was born like two days or one day before her twins. And uh-huh. she talks a lot about being a mom and what it's like coming back from having a baby and regaining confidence in yourself. And so I related to it on such a deep and personal level. So Beyonce was her moment where she really stepped out from this controversy. She never denied it. Mm -hmm. And she just, she let her fans in, in a way that was just magic. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about brand authenticity a lot and, how to you know be authentic on social media and it's it's not sweeping things under the rug because sometimes brands get themselves in hairy situations and you know more often than not you should address it and she she said you know what I'm gonna address this the best way I know how I'm not gonna do an Instagram post like you said I'm going to use my platform and my voice the way I always do and I'm gonna use my music it was it was incredible, and it spawned more Twitter controversy because she obviously talked about Becky with the good hair, and then those are the moments when the beehive really comes in because there were various rumors on different women on who it could be, and then they were attacking those pages. It just became a social media firestorm. Right. It gave the beehive something to rally around and this this reason to think that we had to defend the queen and (laughs) and everything. There was this higher purpose um, to just, she also, I think it's important to note that the album very much talked about the black lives matter movement as well. Um, Mm -hmm. For the formation video, she had the mothers of Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown and Eric Garner. She also had the three men's mother appear in her music videos. Mm -hmm. So she made it both personally and socially relevant and gave context to how she was feeling. Right, right. And again, that's going to bring her closer to the people, to everyone who's passionate about propelling these, these social issues and promoting this conversation 
forward. It makes you feel even more connected to her as an artist, but as, as a person. And it's always great to see celebrities who have a platform to use their voice for good. And I think Beyonce is a, is a shining example of that. But not everyone loves that. I think she knows who her audience is and her audience isn't. When she performed Formation at the Super Bowl, people were protesting afterwards because they said it was too political and too charged. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think in moments like that, it brings your fans closer and the people who don't like you, I, I good brands know who their customer is and only speaks to that customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Goop, I think Goop is a really good example of that. Mm. Whether or not you like it, they know who their customer is and speaks directly to it. Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk if you're going to bring in this type of um, maybe political conversation. And, and we see brands do it pretty often, actually. And there's always some mixed reviews. We saw Nike do it with Colin Kaepernick. Yep. We saw uh, Gillette with the toxic masculinity. and you know, yeah, it is a risk to go there. And then sometimes people feel like, what's a, why are brands talking about this? But it's, it's still going to prompt that conversation. And it all just ties back to the people who run the brand, what they believe in and what they want to stand for. And that's, that's up to them. You don't have to buy Nike shoes or, or Gillette razors. If it's not something you identify with, you don't have to buy Beyonce's album, but that's, really, in my opinion, what it means to be authentic is to just be unapologetically yourself, no matter who it might rub the wrong way. Absolutely. Let's talk more about her Super Bowl performance and Coachella and all of these things, just about how she packages up her performance. I know we there's a lot to talk about as far as her visuals and just how she presents her work and herself. She always has a theme. Mm -hmm. So you see for Coachella, it was very much homecoming. And it was her homecoming after she had her twins, Rumi and Sir, which maybe they'll be friends with my kids at some point. We'll see. (laughs) Fingers crossed, because they are born one day apart. I felt very connected to Beyonce while while I was in labor. My husband kept being like, Beyonce had her babies recently too and I was like I know this is meant to be we're the same um so it was all about homecoming Mm -hmm. and she paid homage to historically black universities there was a hundred person band um all the costumes and imagery paid homage to that and another thing I love about Beyonce is that she's so good at taking a theme and pulsing it in every different channel Mm -hmm. so the stage costumes, what she's putting out on her social media, um, what her website looks like, what the what she's talking about at that time, what her interviews are, um, what the artwork looks like for her album cover. It all works together and it all makes sense. And I think that that is such an important lesson for brands too. Mm-hmm. When you go to her Instagram page versus go to her website versus seeing her in a picture, it all feels and looks the same and it's always cohesive. Mm-hmm. Even down to what she wears. I mean, I love a good Beyonce fashion statement. <laughs> you know, she's she always knows how to dress and just makes makes it makes a statement everywhere she goes. Always. Um, and she was the first African American woman to headline Coachella as well, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, quite an accomplishment. I love her song. I'm sure you know it. Her song "I Was Here," where she just yes. 
Yeah. It's like she's singing about this impact that she's leaving on the world. I think people are going to look at Beyonce for years to come and just the, the history she's making in her own way. I believe that that song was inspired by her experience after 9-11. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and, and listen to it again. Yeah, so, I, it's one of my favorites. Talking of her. about how, yeah, about how she wants to make an impact on the world, a positive mm-hmm. impact on the world after 9-11. Yeah. So powerful, so powerful. I do want to talk more about her Instagram because I feel like compared to other Instagram accounts, to me, hers feels very calculated and it could be part of just her branding. I just, I feel like she always posts like three photos at a time usually and it's all the same outfit or like she, she is very selective about when she posts a caption or when she doesn't like she kind of does it her own way. So what, what are your impressions of her Instagram? She very much does it her own way. And what I'm surprised you didn't talk about is that she has 146 million followers. And the most interesting part is that she follows no one. Yeah. Which can be interpreted in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it is absolutely very calculated, and I love it. Her captions feel like she writes them. They're so deeply personal. She often expresses a lot of gratitude. She does truly epic photo shoots. Um, You know, she did the one with her twins at the beach, the one announcing her pregnancy. I think it was one of the the most liked photos on Instagram ever. There's always little Easter eggs that her insane fans are looking for. Like in her pregnancy announcement, she was wearing this little bra and it had one blue bow and one pink bow on the sides. Uh Um, And that was like her signal that she's having twins. Um, It, to me, her Instagram feels more like a scrapbook Mm. than, than like a typical Instagram feed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she, yeah, it's almost like a scrapbook where she just documents everything, but I don't really see, I wouldn't say she's known for like two way communication. And like engaging no. with her. No. No. Do you think our, it's negative? Our queen, our queen is not responding to her man. <laughs> yeah. She's she's too busy to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't even want true. her to respond to me because she's she has more important things to do than mm-hmm. to respond to me. Yeah. Um no, and and I think that that's her. Like she communicates with her fans through her art. And I think that she's made that so clear at every opportunity. Like, I I think the last time she did an interview was like like a video interview. She'll she'll do like sit downs with magazines, mm-hmm. like the Vogue one that we talked about. But I don't think she's done an on camera interview in like almost ten years. Huh? Yeah, I've never really noticed that. I mean, I've seen her do her commentary when she does these um, pandemic specials and things like that. But yeah, I've never seen her actually sit down with someone in a pretty long time. She's got to go on Ellen or something. <laughs> no, she, she's in control mm-hmm. of her, of her messaging. She does. I feel like she doesn't put, she, she doesn't leave anything to chance or anything to error. Mm-hmm. And that's just so mind boggling to think about because when we think about social media and branding, I mean, we're always talking about two way communication and to engage with your audience. And yet, People still worship her and she, she doesn't communicate. I want like, what do you think, what kind of message does that really send or how should 
should brands take anything away from that? Or is that just Beyonce being Beyonce because she's Beyonce and she can do that and it's her world? (laughs) I think the lesson there is that you have to be thought that of course there's always marketing rules, but I'm a big believer in sometimes zigging when everyone zags. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And listen, if you're a clothing company, I'd say, yeah, it's probably a bad idea to not respond to Instagram comments. <laughs> yeah. But if you're Beyonce and you're, you might make fun of me about my interpretation of this, but I think she considers herself an artist and she wants you to sit with her art and feel it and interpret it. It's not meant, it's not necessarily meant to be a conversation between you and her. It's meant for you to ingest it and think about it in a different way. Like think about the black lives matter movement. Think about what she's doing with Bay good and all of the testing that she's providing in Houston. Think Mm -hmm. about, you know, you know, the infidelity that she talks about and how you interpret that. Yeah. So no, it's not right for everyone, but I think it, it also, there's something about her that I like that she's like a little more mysterious to me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want her to be so available. I like that when you get her, it's, she's on point. Do you know that she rehearsed for eight months for Coachella? I have seen that viral tweet. She about rehearsed <laughs> eight months for an, I think it's like a 92 minute performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine preparing eight months for like a PowerPoint presentation that you're presenting to your team yeah. <laughs> or like a, a, a class that you're about, like you teach all the time. Like how long does it take you to put together a presentation? And it would be close to that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I'm- actually I did it 10 months. Yeah. So I've got her beat Kimberly. But no, I mean, you're on, everyone has their own version of their own stage, if you will. And you want, you want to be on top of your game in every way possible. And I think she's a perfect example of that, you know? Yeah. And it's also like her lack of engagement, like that's her brand voice is almost like not having a voice or not putting herself out there and, and interacting as, as much. It's making a statement in itself like her yeah like when she brings um you know when she's doing rallies for um you know she performed at a hillary clinton rally she raised four million dollars for obama Mm -hmm. um she did um the mi gente remix and all proceeds went to i believe it was hurricane irma so she Mm -hmm. is speaking but she's speaking in a way again like she you can you know she's a control freak and everything is so calculated and engineered but she is letting her voice out but it's always on her terms on her terms that's exactly what i was gonna say and for brands i mean it's okay to have your brand voice on your your terms too i mean wendy's decided to switch things up and to be this sassy kind of fast food bully like it's a way to zig when everyone zags like exactly like what you said Wendy's is incredible yeah they're so savage (laughs) did you see the DiGiorno tweet I did yes did they respond did Wendy's (laughs) respond but yeah I mean that was a diss in itself it was very Wendy's like (laughs) yeah and maybe I mean I guess maybe the lesson there is like you don't you have to make it what's right for your brand like if you're if you're a b2b tech company like do you need to be on Pinterest (laughs) <laughs> Probably not. 
Yeah. Should you have a YouTube channel? I don't know. Are you going to put a lot of resources behind it? Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the lesson there is like figuring out what your voice is, what channels it works on and what channels it doesn't work on. I love that because I feel like a question people have a lot is why do I need to be on every social media platform? And personally, I don't think you do. And, and at least yeah. for personal brands, I don't think you do, but I guess even for brands, you're right. Like a tech company on Pinterest, maybe not. What, what is your, your perspective on that as far as do you need to be present on every platform? I'll tell you a funny story that will give yeah. you um, your perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I worked um, at a tech company for a long time that it's called on deck. They did small business loans online mm-hmm. and our target customers were mostly men and some women between the, I think it was between the ages of 35 and 55 and 35 mm-hmm. was like young. And I did a big presentation one day to like the whole company about, I think it was our social media strategy or our brand strategy or I don't know. I did not prepare eight months for it though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and afterwards this guy came up to me and he was like, Kimberly, I got an idea that's going to blow your mind. You ready for it? Oh, and yeah. I was like, yeah, what's up? Like, Derek, whatever the hell his name was. And <laughs> he was like, we should start a Snapchat page. Ooh, groundbreaking. Like, Why? <laughs> and he's like, it's so cool. Do you want to see this, like, Snapchat I sent Blopity, my friend Jonesy? Or like, and he like, like for like 10 minutes, he cornered me and he's like, Snapchat. And I'm like, we're like, just so clueless. I, I don't see what, what I, I just, I'm like, no, I don't think that Snapchat is like it for us. Like mm-hmm. if we were selling, um, I'm trying to think of like where brand might have a lot of success on Snapchat. Like what kind of brand? Um, like Supreme. If I was Supreme, I'd be like, yeah, we should create really compelling Snapchat content. Mm-hmm. But for like a te- a technology company, and I and I like, I, I I think I was pretty nice about it, but I kept being like, so like, w- do you think our customers are there? Do you think yeah. this is like an unchapped target for us? So my I tell you that story to say no, I don't think brands should be on every channel, and I actually think it's a disservice if you're doing it because then you're losing focus and resources and time and budget and optimization, all those things and just post the channels where it really makes sense. Yeah. If you're just half-assing things and you're just doing it just to have a presence on Snapchat and it's not yielding any results, like that's just such a (laughs) a waste of resources. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So the Beyonce lessons continue, like do what works for you, what's right for your brand and go where your people are. Like ask yourself where your audience is and Beyonce, I mean, let's be real. I feel like her audience is everywhere now because she just has mass appeal, but (laughs) of course, and she's Beyonce, but I think for her, it's more about where do I want to put the resources behind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so much we can learn from Beyonce. Is there anything else you want to chat about with our, with our queen? Yes. I want to know what your favorite Beyonce song is. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I really love, I don't know if it's, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but I remember playing if I were a boy on repeat in my freshman. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) And again, it's standing for something is another one of her women empowerment anthems. I really love her, her ballads. I know that's again, probably a little unpopular, but. Oh, very popular with me. She did 
um, a kind of like remix of that in one of her live performances with Ooh. Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know. I'm going to send mm. it to you after this. Oh, I, I love a good mashup like that. I love If I Were a Boy, Halo, of course. Um, I was here. Yeah, I just, I really love a you good. Like, you like the ballads. I do. I even like yeah. Listen. I like Irreplaceable. Gosh. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely feeling the ballads. Yeah. I, okay, now I need to know yours. And also your favorite video. So this is a very layered question for me because I have different <laughs> answers for different things. Like, um, like if I want to dance, like if I'm like working out or, you know, just like alone dancing in my room as one does, as, mm. as a mother of two babies does, yes. um, get me bodied is my Ooh, favorite. Okay. Okay. Yes. To watch her perform, mm -hmm. for her to dance to. I like diva because the dance moves to that is the best. Ooh, but yeah. for lyrics, my favorite song is Formation because it has the best eight words I've ever heard for anybody listening. And it's always stay gracious. Best revenge is your paper. Ooh. Should we end it on that? Mic drop. Well, no, you just reminded me of iconic <laughs> lyric recently when she just did the Savage remix. Oh, it's so good. You said, if you don't jump to put jeans on, you don't feel my pain. Like, oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. I always try to listen to the Savage remix with my son in the car, who's not even three. Is it appropriate? Maybe. But you know what? I'm doing it anyways. Um, and he's always like, Mommy, can you turn this off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And I'm like, let no, him, I can't. I can't turn it off. Sorry. Let him grow up a little bit, and he'll be he'll be on the Beyonce train just like the rest yeah. of them. So yeah, no. So that that's my answer to my favorite. I yeah. love it. I love I love the layers. That's such a genius way <laughs> of doing it. Oh, <laughs> I'm a super fan. Yeah, you you really proved it to me. Wow. Um, tell people where everyone can follow you. Keep up with all the Beyonce love. Sure, and you can find me on Twitter at at KSolars. Perfect. Awesome. Well, this was a blast. I, I feel like, do you know when her next album's coming out? I feel like we're in a bit of a drought. So her mom, Tina, yes. did an interview. Do you like, I have an answer to every one of your I love it. That's why you're here. <laughs> her mom, Tina, who is fabulous and designed all of their costumes in Destiny's Child. And she did a fashion line with her called House of Darion. She gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal and said that Beyonce had borrowed some of her art pieces and had something in the works. Okay. But she's notorious. Like, she dropped her album Beyonce in the middle of the night and it became the number yeah. one album. Like, she does not do press. She does not do promotion. She just lets the art and the music speak for itself. So I don't know. She had an album with Jay-Z, Everything is Love, last year that I personally loved. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we'll see. Keeps us on our, on our toes for sure. When it drops, I'll come back and I'll have a whole dissertation on the launch and what I think of it and the lessons we can Yeah, and how it was promoted by not being promoted and all the marketing takeaways from that. Yeah, and we'll both wear sparkly leotards. Seal. This podcast. Actually, listeners, we're wearing sparkly leotards right now. Yeah, for, for the record, <laughs> yes. I know you can't yes. see us, but we are decked out. Love yes. it. You are welcome back anytime. This was a blast. I think Good. You, I think we made our queen proud. I think she would 
she would agree with a lot of our takeaways and be honored by how we're representing she her. She would. She'd be so proud of you with everything you do with your podcast. And your, she would be. And she'd be proud of us for joining forces, two women working, <laughs> trying to get everything out there, doing it all. She really would be. I, and I, I truly believe that. I believe it too. Paying our bills. Being independent, surviving out here. You know what? I've been that way since that concert when I was 14. Totally relating to her, you know, to her message. Yeah. I got picked up in a minivan from that concert and had to go get the rubber bands on my braces changed probably the next day. (laughs) Got to start somewhere. I love it. Thank you so much, Kimberly. This was a blast. And... I think we ended this season the best way we know how, talking about Beyonce. So thank you so much. And I'll definitely have you Okay. Bye. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Or better yet, leave a review. You can also join our Facebook group called Making the Brand Groupies for real-time pop culture discussions you can actually learn from. As always, thanks for listening.